0: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that you speak, that you uh, teach us about yourself and that you teach us about ourselves. We ask this morning as we consider this part of your word that you, would, that you would truly fix our eyes upon the Lord Jesus, that you would remind us of the joy that lies ahead of the glory that awaits at the end of the race, and that you would make us ruthless in our determined uh, pursuit of living lives of faith that bring glory and honour to the Lord Jesus Christ. we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, you may not have realized it, but it is the last Sunday of 2019. Uh, The the new year is upon us and inevitably, as it does, the new year brings resolutions. Very good. New year's resolutions. Now look, I'm not big on them. I'll be perfectly honest with you, I rarely have the discipline. And look, maybe you're into it, maybe you're, you you love making your New Year's resolutions, maybe you're somebody who makes really big, broad, grand scheme resolutions, or maybe you just make really lame ones, right? I'm only going to eat three bars of chocolate in January instead of four. I whatever sort of New Year's resolution it is that you make, I think that all New Year's resolutions have one thing in common. Do you know what it is? We don't keep them. Excellent. They are all unkept. Let's just do a quick straw poll. It's the last Sunday in 2019. Who has kept their 2019 New Year's resolutions? Okay, good. Now, here's the more important question. Who remembers what their 2019 New Year's resolutions were? Ah, oh, good. Well done, you, mate. You're one of those strange people. Now, look, New Year's, New Year's resolutions... They come and they go, right? Let's be honest here. But there are certain things as Christians that ought to always be present. They're not the sorts of things that we focus on for a month or I'm going to plan on doing for the next little while. Rather, they are the sorts of things that define us. The character that we are supposed to have. We ought always to be aspiring to be a certain kind of people. And really what I want to do today, I was thinking, right, we're kicking off the new year, what are we going to do? What I wanted to do today was nothing more and nothing less than get us to fix our eyes on Jesus. To remind you, to remind myself of what sort of people ought we to be, not just for January, not just for February, not just for 2020, but always as God's people. And there are two pictures in this passage. We're looking at Hebrews 12, the first part of it. There are two pictures in there. And the first one is this. The sort of people that we are is marathon runners. Is that how you see yourself? You're a marathon runner? Well, it's right there. It's in that picture, right? Chapter 12 in Hebrews and verse 1 therefore he says since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us i find that a very apt picture it's very appropriate it really does capture what life is like because you think about a long running race well it's long it's hard There are hills, maybe some really, really steep ones. You run through heat, you run through cold. In our environment, you're running through smoke. As you run, there is competition. In fact, in the Christian race, more than half of the participants are running the other way. And they're constantly telling you, you're going the wrong way, stop, turn back. Your own body fails Your brain tells you to give up. The Christian life really is like a marathon, but it's a marathon that other people have run before us. It's a very cool picture. I really like it. Verse 1 again, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Chapter 11 in Hebrews is just a long list of some of the heroes of the Bible. The people who have gone before us and lived lives of faith, of trusting in God. And the picture of the marathon here is as if we are surrounded by them. The the, the course is lined by those who have already finished the race and they are cheering us on. You can do it. Persevere. It's not long now. That hill up ahead, it's a hard one. I got through it. You can too. Trust God. He'll get you there. It's an excellent picture that those who have come before us still speak even though they are dead, still cheering us on. It's as if they are our pace setters. I only learned about this recently. I've got some mates who do run marathons. They're a little bit crazy, but they sort of regularly... A marathon is 42.2 kilometres, in case you didn't know, right? They will run one race and do that distance. But in the marathon, the the organisers employ pace setters. So these are people who can run a marathon very quickly and they get assigned a time So like, okay, you are going to run at five minutes 30 for every kilometer. So if you're in the marathon and you want to run the marathon and you want to set a particular pace, you're like, okay, I really want to run 42.2 kilometers at five minutes and 30 seconds per kilometer. You don't have to think. You just look for that particular pace setter that they, they somehow signal who these guys are and you just go and plant yourself behind him and just run after him. What do they do, Steve? How do you know who the pace setters are? They've got a flag in a backpack. There you go. And you just follow the flag and you know you will run the pace you're supposed to run at, right? It's like these guys, the cloud of witnesses, they're our pace setters. They're the ones telling us, you're doing well. Keep going. Keep going. This is the pace you need to be at. You're flagging a bit. You're starting to drop behind. Pick it up. Pick it up. Now, marathon runners are pretty driven people. They're rather ambitious. I don't know if you've ever met someone who regularly runs marathons. They are disciplined. They are... Everything bows before the altar of the marathon. Well, that's not quite the right way of putting it. I know Christians who run marathons, right? This isn't their God, but... And if I'll be honest, that's not me. <laughs> I'm, I don't have that level of, of drive, of ambition. I'm, I'm much more of the, eh, that'll do, kind of a guy. And yet when it comes to the Christian race, when it comes to running this marathon, we need to be proper marathon runners. You see what he says again in verse 1? Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You ever seen a marathon runner wearing one of those fun suits? I mean, you see them at City to Surf, right—the the, the big clown suits or the outfit or whatever. You never see a marathon runner in that. You never see a marathon runner wearing their their rain jacket and gum boots and a backpack full of books. Thanks, Josh. That was excellent, right? You never see a marathon runner who sets out like that, do you? No, they are driven. They are determined. They throw off whatever might slow them down in this race. They also don't partake of performance-enhancing drugs. At least if you're doing it properly. You don't cheat. As we move from the metaphor into reality, think of what that means for the Christian to throw off everything that would hinder that run, to remove from your life all the sin that entangles. It's so easy to just do the bare minimum. Ah, what can I get away with? That'll do. It's not going to harm me, is it? So, whatever, good enough. I mean, what's wrong with that? My kids do that all the time. What's wrong with that? I say, well, no, you can't have that. Well, what's wrong with it? Well, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but there's something better. How about that? That happens at breakfast time quite frequently. What do you want for breakfast, kids? A butter sandwich. (laughs) Well, there's nothing wrong with a butter sandwich. It's food, you'll cope. But there's, there's so much better. Right? Have some protein, get some vitamins into you, run the race well. As Christians, we will often go, well, what's wrong with that? I can do that, can't I? It's not, it's not bad. Well, it's true. But is that in fact going to help you run at your best? Will it focus all of your energy and your love towards the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, we do well to audit our lives with that picture in mind, with the extreme dedication of the marathon runner, looking at all that we have and all that we are and all that we do and think, how can I train and eat and and dress and think to be the best runner possible? Or to put it in other terms, how can I live my life and finish this race with the most Christ-exalting faith possible? That's what we want, isn't it? I mean, I I take it as a Christian person, what you want is to live your life with the most Christ-exalting faith that you can, trusting in Him with all that you are and glorifying Him with all that you do. Now, the answer that the writer to the Hebrews gives us, how is it that we're going to do that, is run the marathon with your eyes fixed on Jesus And run the marathon in discipline. So you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. I I think that was one of the best kids talks we've had, Josh. Thank you. That was excellent. And it was excellent because it proved the point so perfectly. The one who had their eyes fixed on the prize ran. Run facing backwards. Made a good effort of it, but was kind of challenging. And the other two didn't even start when you said go. It was perfect. Right, have a look at what he says, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And fix your eyes on Jesus for two reasons. Firstly, because he's going to teach you how to run. He's an example of running. And secondly, because he is the point of running. He's the source of the joy that will keep us in the race. You see, Jesus ran the race too. Isn't that an interesting thought? The race that you are running, the life that you are living, the life of faith in God, Jesus lived too. Now, his race was unique. There were things about his life that are never going to happen to us that aren't who we are. And yet at the same time, his race was our race. He had to live trusting his father. He had to live a life of faith. And he lived a life of faith through some extreme circumstances. I mean, you, you think about what he had to go through, right? His race, his marathon led through the cross. How was it that he endured? What kept him going? Well, again, verse 2, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured. See, Jesus has his eyes fixed on what lay ahead, the joy that lay before. That joy was able to take him through the agony of the cross, through the despair of the wrath of God, to come out the other side and find the glory of sitting at the right hand of the throne. And see, like Jesus, we run sustained by that same joy that lies before us, the same hope of everlasting joy in God. You think about it, in one sense, it's the whole purpose of the marathon, the whole point of having us run through hardship to get to the end, is that somehow our joy and our love and our confidence and our satisfaction in Jesus might be displayed to everyone else who's running too that they might want to join us as we run But you think about it you're running the race and you're looking the right way you can see the prize at the end and you're surrounded by floods of people running the wrong way and they look at you and they see that you are running with joy with determination with confidence in God and they have none of it how easy to reach out and say, Turn around. Come with me. Run towards the source of joy. Run towards Jesus. He is an example to us of endurance because of the joy that lies ahead. But he's also something greater. Jesus wasn't just an example. He was an example. He does teach us how to live. But he was so much more than that because he is, well, he's what we trust in. He is the one who is our joy. You see how he was described They're the author and perfecter of our faith. The the founder, the, the basis and the completion of it. He is the one in whom we trust. You see, the joy that lies at the end of the race isn't just some abstract, oh, we'll be really happy joy. No, it's knowing that the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus and that we will get to share in them with him. That there is true glory at the end of the race. It's amazing glory because it's not ours, it's His glory that we get to share in. We get to stand on the podium with the winner's crown, with the Lord Jesus. That we can trust that our suffering now is purposeful. How is it that you're going to make it through life with the most Christ-glorifying faith? Well, it's only going to happen as you fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. As you follow his example and as you trust that he is the source of the joy that is to come. But, look, let's be honest for a moment. Running sucks. There's just no other way of putting it. It, It's unpleasant. At best, it's hard. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. There's never a good time to do it. My, I started running about eighteen months or so ago. My doctor told me I had to start running. Um, I, I should have, I should have known better. He, he runs marathons, so he was slightly invested in it, right? And he said, "You got to start running. It's good for your health," right? All right, fine, fine, Doctor Koo, I'll start running. It's hard. It took me six months to go from I can run zero kilometers in one go to I can run five kilometers in a go was pretty good, six months. Um, it then took me another six months to where I could go from five kilometers in one go to 10 kilometers in one go. Although admittedly, I've only done that once. I've only run 10 k's once, but you know. And the lesson I learned was that running sucks. It, it, it's long, it's slow, it's hard. The only time I ever made any sort of progress was through suffering. You have to get up early. You have to go, I had to go three times a week or I would make no progress, whether I was sick or tired or just didn't want to. The only progress was through suffering. Now the Christian life can be full of it and it's very easy to lose sight of what it is that's going on. Now the picture in our passage moves, it changes, it changes from a race to being about parenting. And I think that they're basically the same because the only progress that happens when you're parenting is through suffering. When when you've got to get up early and you're sick and you're tired and you just don't want to. It's long and slow and hard. Have a look at verse 7. He says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I I hardly feel like I need to comment, right? You you get the picture. Do you remember what it was like to be disciplined? It wasn't pleasant. None of us, nobody enjoys discipline. By its very nature, it is painful. Whether you're you're of the old school generation, right where Dad pulled out the wooden spoon. Whether you're part of the modern ways of disciplining, where you get sent to time out, whatever it is. When you're going through it, it's hard, isn't it? You you don't usually understand what's going on. I don't like what's happening. Why is this happening to me? I want to do what I want to do, not what you want me to do. And yet we can see, we can look back. Look, some of our parents may not have been very good at discipline. Right? There might have been more anger involved than there should have been. There might, it might not have necessarily been good. But we understand that by and large a parent disciplines their child because they want good for their child. They want to grow them a certain way, train them into being a certain kind of human being. And if our parents were aiming to do that, who were flawed and sinful themselves, how much more is God doing that for us? To make us the kind of people he wants us to be. Hardship. Endure it as discipline. Hey, stop and think about your life for a moment. What's, What's hard right now in your life? We all have our own different kind of hardship. What's hard in yours? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe the people that you thought were supposed to be for you are in fact against you or you 've got the hurt of that fight that 's been going on for years, if not decades maybe it 's your work. your boss is a jerk you 're unfulfilled it 's tiring maybe it 's home life you just can 't seem to get on top of it. Your kids, a bunch of rat bags maybe it 's your own body starting to fail and no longer keep up with what you want it to do maybe it 's your finances you 're just struggling can't see a way out what is the hardship that you are facing right now are you able are you able for a moment to step back to look at it from the outside and to see that what this is is God at work now let's be very clear what I mean by God at work here I'm not saying can you see that God is at work to improve your circumstances because that's not what God does it's not that God is at work to somehow get you out of the pit and make you all nice and happy again. That's not what God is doing. God is at work to strengthen your godliness, to make you holy, to increase your faith, your trust in him. That's what God is at work doing. But can you see it? Sometimes you can't. Let's be honest. Sometimes in the midst of the discipline, it's it's too much. We cannot see it. We cannot understand what it is that God is doing. So make sure you see the word of encouragement in verse five. Come back to verse five. Have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? It says, my son, do not not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines who? Those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. You see, when you're facing the hills on the, on the run, when your breath is just ragged, you can't seem to get enough oxygen. The terrain is harsh. The competitors are unfriendly. When your legs are aching and you do not know if you can go on anymore, know that the Lord is producing in you something even greater. Let the witnesses that are around you who keep chanting one word, trust, 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 trust God, trust God, trust God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That is how you will run to the end. Now there's all sorts of risks along the way, right? There's, there's weeds and thorns, there's the pleasures of this life that just want to trip you over. There's your own sin that just wants to choke your spiritual life down. How is it that we're going to run? How are we going to make it? Well, all I can say is this. Get to know Jesus. Maybe it is time for a New Year's resolution. I'll tell you what, let's make it easy. Let's make it discreet. Let's make it concrete. Let's make it just for one month. You've got to get to know Jesus. You've got to learn to love Jesus. You've got to spend time with Jesus. You've got to go deep with Him such that the joy that you find in Him, the satisfaction that you find in Him makes everything else just pale, fade away. It doesn't matter whether it's a pleasure that tempts or a hardship that causes you to stumble. So how about this? There's 31 days in January and there's what, 27 chapters in Matthew? Is that right? How many chapters are there in Matthew? There's less than 31. 28? You get three days off. How about that? Why don't you read through Matthew, chapter a day, through January? And not just read through it and be like, oh, I'm done. Read through it and dwell on it, meditate on it. Reflect upon what the Lord Jesus has done on who he is. Such that your satisfaction in him is so strong is so deep, is so profound in your life that you will run the race unhindered, persevering and even in the face of hardship, joyful. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he ran the race perfectly in a way that teaches us how to. And yet even more than that, he ran the way the race in a way that gives us joy and hope and a future. We ask that you would teach us, as the saints in the past have, to run with faith, our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus, determined, persevering, recognising your discipline for what it is and being trained evermore in holiness and godliness, to your honour and to your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.